Spring turkey season is upon us, and don't be caught out in the woods without having Onyx Hunt on your phone. One feature Onyx has that is often overlooked for turkey hunting is their recent imagery filter with their elite memberships. This imagery is updated week to week, and it comes in extremely handy, especially when you're trying to find these gobble zones where these turkeys will go out in a high spot on a fresh clear cut and strut around all day long. Actually, I was just looking at on Onyx where, where the timber company just came into Andrew's club and did a very small clear cut along this creek, and I can see the high spots on the topographical map, but also I can see exactly where they mulch, and those are going to be hot spots for finding gobblers, especially mid-morning after they get off their hens, getting up on these little high spots in this fresh, small clear cut along the creek and strutting and gobbling all day long. If you want to give Onyx a try, you can actually download it for free, try it for seven days, and if you decide to purchase, you can use the promo code SOUTHERN and save on your premium and elite memberships. So go into this turkey season, know where you stand with Onyx. Well, guys, we have some exciting news for you from Vortex about their brand new eyewear, their Banshee and Jackal sunglasses. Me and Andrew have had these for a few weeks now, right before the release, and we've been extremely impressed. They're awesome glasses, guys. And listen, if you're needing some new sunglasses, not only do they have the VIP warranty, but they're tough as crap, guys. Uh, Scratch-resistant eyewear, uh, it's extremely important. And also, they have safety features as well. So when you're out shooting at the range, again, these are rated glasses, so you are going to be more than protected when you're at the range. But they also look fantastic when you're out around town. So right now, Vortex has some special pricing on their website, which is vortexoptics.com for the new eyewear. But also, if you use the code SOUTHERN20, you get to save even more on this special pricing for right now at vortexoptics.com. Again, check out the new eyewear from vortexoptics.com and use the promo code SOUTHERN20 to save on their brand new eyewear. If you live in the Gulf Coast region, you need to find yourself at the Eco Wild Expo May 10th through the 12th in Mobile. It is the premier outdoor expo for the Gulf Coast region, and we're going to be there. We're going to have a booth. We're super excited about it. Can't wait to meet you guys that live down there. We absolutely love the Gulf Coast region, so to be a part of this show, we're super excited about. We're going to have past podcast guests there at our booth for you to talk to, guys who are relevant for your area, who you can talk to, you can pick their brain, you can joke with them, laugh with them, tell them your story, whatever you want to do. It's going to be a awesome time. We're already working on some past podcast guests, but hey, if you live in this area and you have a suggestion for someone you want to see at that show, write in and we'll see if we can get them. There's going to be all kinds of exhibitors at the show that are focused on hunting, fishing, conservation, and recreation. There's going to be activities for the whole family there. They got axe throwing, archery. They're going to have our podcast booth. And then for the kids, they got touch tanks, a honeybee exhibition, a raptor show, kids fishing tank, BB gun range, and a butterfly house. So you're going to love it. Your kids are going to love it. It's going to be an awesome time. So head on over to ecowildexpo.com to get more information on the show and to go ahead and grab your tickets. And hey, mark it on your calendar, May 10th through the 12th. Be there. We want to see you and we're excited to talk to you. So we'll see you at the EcoWild Expo this May 10th through the 12th at the Mobile Convention Center in Mobile, Alabama. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Southern Outdoorsman Podcast. I'm sitting here with Mr. Jacob Myers, the ginger bow hunter himself. Jacob, how you doing over there? Doing well. How you doing? Oh, Andrew Maxwell, dude. What's going on, brother? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, got a got a lot to talk about this episode. Got a lot to talk about in general. Um, just the order we're recording these. We just got back from Georgia. Had a pretty good hunt over there. Had a good old time. Y'all are going to hear all about it on, uh, on Monday, uh, but we're probably going to allude to it a couple times in this episode just with things that we ended up talking about with Colton um, and things that, that kind of came into play over the last week or so. Um, so that being said, Jacob, what did you think about this episode with Mr. Colton Chip? Dude, Colton Chip. It's interesting. Uh, you know, a guy from East Texas that's going up to Oklahoma, Oklahoma and having some tremendous success uh, after, first off, uh, he was up there with, in a really large lease. 40,000 I mean, acres? Yeah, and I'm like, I, I've never even heard leases that big. But clearly, he was in a big lease like that and then uh, decided to get out of it and, and started hunting public land. But even when he was in the lease, he started using this uh, kind of you know bed hunting tactic, kind of you know late season um, kind of tactic. And um, started having success with it, started applying it to public land and really started to kind of mold over the last, I think he's been doing it now for about four years or so, four or five years, and uh, has really molded this style to be extremely successful to the point that, you know, not to jump too far ahead, but, you know, he's not preseason scouting or anything like that. He's he's not really hunting until much later in the season, like after the rut, where most guys would be like, I'm going to hunt early season in, in the rut. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's waiting until after all that before he even like necessarily even takes the bow out. So it is super, super interesting kind of seeing the success that he's had. And again, killing some huge deer and he's chasing, you know, he kind of talks about it a little bit in the episode, but potential state record. I mean, just an, an absolute giant of a buck. Um, so, you know, it's, it's super, super interesting when you find a guy like that. It's, you know, having success, using a tactic that like, to be honest, I am not super familiar with, which is like bed hunting kind of in the South-ish. Mm-hmm. You know, he's you know kind of his area of Oklahoma. You know, I still call it the South. So, uh, it, within reason, I don't know, if it's Anger, you know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> By the way, it looked like you got uh, a listener all fired up. Oh, I did. Post I, on the Run Gun page. I saw that. <laughs> and it was the comments were a little wild. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. Everybody was like drawing <laughs> their own map of like, what is the South? Oh, what? yeah. Yeah, I did see that post actually because, yeah, I guess it was last week's outro from this one or the, the week before, I guess. Yeah, I, I said some stuff about where I thought the South yeah, was. Like, and apparently some people didn't like yeah, it. Yeah, you're like, Kentucky's not the South. Oh, yeah, I definitely saw it. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. If I offended everybody, no, a lot of people were like, "I totally agree." Kentucky's well, even the, even the guy who was from Kentucky, he was like, "Yeah, I mean, uh, Western Kentucky, it hunts like the Midwest, but Eastern Kentucky, we're definitely the South." I'm like, oh, "Okay, I get that." I don't mind even that mine country. I don't know about that. I mean, y'all got elk, man. Well, our Tennessee's West got Virginia. elk. Yeah, it's like you know, kind of West Virginia vibes. Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 is West Virginia the South? No. Is, is Virginia in the South? No, dude. They're different. They're a different category. Like, golly, I don't want to get bogged down. <laughs> We're going to get more posts on the run and gun page. Everyone's going to be all upset. I don't know. I don't know about West Virginia. I mean, West Virginia, 
is so far north. Like, I don't know. So man. far north, but so far to the south, though. <sighs> I don't know, man. I feel like they get too much snow to be a southern state. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way to judge it. I ain't gonna lie. You judge off snowfall, like, bro. If your town, if your state doesn't it, descend if, if into get, Armageddon, yeah, if you get two inches of snow, you ain't like the if you get more than twelve inches of snow, uh, you know, per year. Yeah, yeah you're. you're Look, kinda, I want people from like other places to realize that in Alabama, and like what was it? But 20, the whole twenty fourteen. Yeah, right? but the whole South's not Alabama. Though. Well, I know, but just in Alabama in general, you know, like with the snow situation, we got like three inches of snow one time, and it is literally referred to as snowmageddon down here where like the entire state ground to a halt there was cars flipped over in ditches everywhere i'm not kidding was that 2014 yeah i think it was 2014 yeah cars were like stacked like literally we had hills yeah we had to walk home because we couldn't drive because the roads were all iced up we don't have like salt trucks or or whatever down here no one has like chains or anything like that and literally there was like cars upside down in ditches it looked like the walking dead or something like there was cars pulled over where was i at for this i don't know dude maybe you're you're probably in arkansas no 2014 i was here i don't know but uh we had a good old time with it Mm. definitely had a good old time with it so anyways uh man Hit that tangent early again. And for some reason, that always comes up in the first five minutes of the podcast. What What is the South? What is the South? What is the South? Okay, I'll just I look. mean, you almost didn't even count South Carolina last time as being the South. Yeah, I'm sorry, South Carolinians. Um, look, I'll just, I'll, I'll, this is my final answer on this, okay? There's the Deep South, and then y'all can just decide whatever you want for the South. But the Deep South is non-negotiable. How about that? What's the Deep South? Alabama. What's it always Georgia, because I'm from Alabama. <laughs> Alabama, Georgia, Mississippi, Louisiana, Florida, and South Carolina. I'll give it to South Carolina. What, what about, we, what we about East the, Texas? That's that's as far south as you can go, bro. Uh, it's just like Louisiana. West Louisiana. If we're just going state by state, you know, I can't, you know, I, I'm not going to draw too a big line. A, too big of a state? Yeah, it's too big of a state. Too big of a state. I mean, you could if you're, you're could in, make the case if, you're in if Dallas, we wanted to split hairs, we could make the case that you could shave off, yeah, you know, one part of Texas. If you're if you're from like Dallas or South, then definitely like the Deep South, like that area of the state. So, yeah, Deep South. Those are the states. Everything. What's else, the Mid South? Y'all can mid- no. I'm not. I'm not getting into that. That's not where I'm from. <laughs> I don't understand that that part of the country. <laughs> so I'll let I'll let people debate amongst themselves. If if you want to let West Virginia and like Maryland, I, I know people from Maryland and they're like, yeah, we're, we're southern. Southern. I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> listen, <laughs> no, not. listen, country music and everything. Dude. I don't know, man. Maryland. That's just a that's a bridge too far. I don't know. Anyway, see, I'm getting dragged back down into it. So Look, passionate. The Deep South is the Deep South, and then y'all can argue about the rest. I'm not getting into it. <laughs> I'm not getting into it. Oh, man. Oh, gosh. Anyways, all right. So, Andrew, what do you think about Colton Chip's episode? Oh, it's pretty good, man. Since you're saying Oklahoma's not the South. Well, I really liked uh, I really liked him talking about his, his scouting to hunting ratio, because uh, that's something that I feel like it's hard for a lot of people to digest um, his uh, how much he scouts versus how much he actually hunts. Uh, in the podcast, he said something along the lines of he's, he only hunts like 5% of the time. And I think I think that somewhere in there he said that he he's out like every day. You know, because of his job, he's able to make time to get out to where he hunts pretty much every day. But if you break that down over the season, he's he's hunting 5% of the time he goes out. The whole rest of the time, he said he doesn't even bring his bow. 
Um, which I think there's like a, kind of a strategy to not bringing your bow, you know, because uh, if you don't bring your bow, you literally can't hunt. So you just, you have no choice but to scout and you're not tempted to, you know, set up somewhere um, and, and exercise like that. I don't know, like the the discipline of like not setting up on subpar stuff if you have your bow and, and you have all your setup with you. So I think that's probably a big part of his success is is that he does that. And that's hard for most people to do. That's hard for me to do. Um, this past week in Georgia, that kind of that ended up kind of being a thing, uh, which I'll hear more about on Monday. Uh, the whole scouting versus hunting thing, and, mm-hmm. and scouting more than you hunt, and 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 he also was talking about rubs and not getting hung up on rubs. He said that you know rubs will kind of end up distracting you and bringing you away from the good stuff. Again, you're gonna hear about that on Monday. Uh, I feel like that definitely happened last week too. Um, I don't know your opinion on that, but I feel like that that definitely hindered uh, some of the hunts at least. Um, and he likes to drive roads and look at tracks and throw cameras off of roads. And more specifically, once he finds something that uh, that is interesting to him, he wants to backtrack into the woods and he wants to find some kind of scrape and he wants to put a camera on that scrape. But not only put a camera on the scrape, but put cameras around the scrape. Like... If you're looking at the map, you know, think of the scrape as almost like a focal point, and it's like a little hub of activity all around that scrape. It's not just the scrape itself. And he's talking about putting uh, putting cameras on all the trails that are around a scrape in a general area to really get a good idea of, like, how these bucks are coming through, which really, again, we're going to reference it so much, brings us back to Shane and Paul yeah. doing the oh, same yeah. exact thing. And more people, too, doing that. I think Troy Pottinger probably does that, too. Um, throwing cameras actually around scrapes to catch those bucks who, in Colton's words, you know, might walk around that scrape and not check it every day because maybe they're walking on a trail where they can see the scrape through the woods so they don't really have to go check it. Um, so all that was uh, was, was interesting. It was, it was definitely a fun episode. Yeah, I, I thought it was interesting like how much <clears throat> like road access plays a – part of like his scouting technique like you know using a side-by-side you know driving all drivable roads he's in an area that has you know fairly decent amount of, of timber uh cuts and just dropping cameras close enough that you can just get to him pretty quickly from the road and then once you catch that big buck on camera because he's talking about finding like he wants like 15 shooters a season potentially mm-hmm. and i think i think he mentioned it's like 150 50 plus inch deer is like what he's looking for. Um, 15, 150 inch deer. 150, 140, something like that. Do you yeah. imagine finding that here? I wouldn't be telling you about it. <laughs> <laughs> no. Would never let go of that lease. Yeah, no, lease, public land. Hey, he's on public, dude. Listen, if I found a piece of public like that, whoo, mm. son. Black word can't touch that. You, you want to go to Oklahoma next year? Uh, don't you don't don't uh, don't don't tell me about. It. Do you want to go someplace? It's already on the list, man. Um, so I think we got somewhere better on the list next year, anyways. Kansas, bro. Maybe if you draw the same units, I did. I don't know. We'll find out. Anyways, not to get too sidetracked here. No, the um, just what he's doing, like running roads, I find super interesting because it seems like, and this is something I can relate with being in the deep south and like a lot of pieces of public land that we hunt. A lot of properties, if there's a lot of logging, have quite a bit of road access. Like, if there's logging, mm-hmm. they've got to get trucks in and out, and that means there's going to be quite a bit of road access, whether it's open roads or if it's gated roads or if it's an area like where he's at, maybe a lot of them's just, you know, fairly open roads where you don't have a lot of gates. 
and you can ride side by sides down even like oh, like you know fresh log roads um that is super super interesting just because again sometimes like in a situation like that it almost makes sense like don't work harder but work smarter like covering mm-hmm. that distance and ground mm-hmm. instead of like just diving all into one spot just because you're trying to get as far from the road as possible but maybe it's not the spot that that buck's really coming through because like per i think he talks about this in an episode he's like i don't care if it comes through at two o'clock in the morning if i get him on camera and i see path of travel I'm, i know then how to you know adjust my focus in order to kind of go back you know four or five six hundred yards in order to try to locate him again and slowly start backtracking him like what um Oh, my gosh. How am I forgetting his name? Old boy from South Alabama. Jeff Homan. Jeff Homan. Uh, I think episode 122. 122. Yep. Oldie bucks. but a goodie. Yep. Talking about backtracking bucks. Same, exact same thing that, that Colton's doing. Um, But Colton's is doing it, you know, for late season. But he's doing it to the point that he's backtracking these bucks to the point that he fine-tunes specifically where this buck is spending the most amount of time. And it's, like, not necessarily even, like, a specific bed, but it's, like, what is that, like, tight core area that this, you know, five, six, seven-year-old buck is spending the most amount of time in where he's getting him on camera multiple times a day uh, or at least once a day during daylight hours. And that's kind of like what he talks about later in the episode is, like, you know, I want him – on, like I'm not going to go in and hunt that deer unless I'm getting consistent images of him every single day in that spot, and I have a ballpark idea of how close the bed is to that uh, camera location, mm-hmm. whether the bed's 30 yards away or the bed's 60 yards away. Um, you know, I, I want he wants to know that that deer spending time in that little area throughout the daylight, and that's what's giving him the opportunity to be able to go in on a morning hunt. Get in there super early and set up whether he's got to set up on the ground, whether he sets up pretty low in a tree or whatever, and uh, and get in a position that he's catching that buck coming back to that bed specifically yep. uh, or into that little core area uh, at daylight. It's worked pretty freaking well for him, I'd say, so far. Yeah, definitely. It's worked really well for him. Uh, just another guy who runs a ton of trail cameras, too. I think he said he had 70 or something-ish, around 70 trail cameras, and he is just... I still can't imagine, like, just the logistics of running that many trail cameras. I mean, how many batteries that would be? SD cards. No, there's that, but I think you you just got to be, like, super organized. I mean, like, when we had Rusty and uh, Rustin Johnson on, you know, about a month or so ago, mm-hmm. you know, they talked about that, too, of, like, you know, they run, like, 70-plus cameras. And, like, the whole idea of, like, you know, you know, Rustin is super organized. He has, like, his, like, he has, like, his, uh, you know, methodical. cameras. Yeah, methodical, but he has them, like, different color-coded pins so he knows like what days i need to go check certain cameras and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff and you have to be like that if you're gonna run that many cameras so you don't forget well what camera location did this image come from or right? and all that kind of stuff because that that would be my worries like okay you pull in all these cameras and like next thing you know you have like a huge you know file on your computer of Data all these photos overload. but you're like what location is this camera from so like that's huge as i can as i see like you know, especially like in also Colton's case, he's constantly moving cameras. And it's like as cameras move, like those camera locations change. So it's like constantly yeah. updating all that, not forgetting where cameras are at. And then also just like in the overall logistics of organizing, you know, images and organizing, you know, your pins and stuff to stay focused. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Getting back and organizing it, man. Uh, daunting task for sure. I got, I still, I got a camera. I got to go check. I have one camera out right now and it's hard for me to like go check it. Uh, just cause I'm, I'm not, I don't know. Uh, Down at the club? Yeah. So at the club, I guess we could do a club update too. Um, down at the club, uh, there's one section of the place that is like, a uncut 
kind of upland hardwood type stuff. Uh, it's got red oaks, black oaks, shortleaf pine, uh, loblolly pine. It's pretty unique. It's not the kind of stand that you find very, very often around here. We have so much logging that goes on. Uh, this place, I don't know the last time it was logged, but it's really cool. It's a lot of shortleaf pine in there. Is that the 80-acre chunk? Yes. Go through? Yeah. You, right. got, you got a camera there? Yeah. So I ended up walking in there. I was. Uh, it was about a month ago or a little bit more than a month ago I put that camera out. I took Boone in there before work one day because uh, I was just going to go walk it before opening day of squirrel season because me and Colton were going to go in there and squirrel hunt. And I just wanted to make sure that there was, you know, just some decent squirrel sign in there so I didn't garhole Colton, which he ended up getting garholed anyways. But uh, me and Boone went walking in there and we just kind of sp- speed scouted the place and uh, ended up finding a uh, fresh scrape threw a camera up on it and that's kind of what it's on uh and then i've actually been in there since then i was around the camera but i didn't go to the camera uh but that scrape i don't know if i mentioned this on here already but the licking branch was twisted up uh and it's still green like it, it had just been done and this is like september 8th or something like buck still in velvet but they still work licking branches and stuff um so that he pawed up the ground and he twisted up a licking branch and it had you know green leaves still on it. It, was tw- it like just happened. Uh, so I threw the camera on that. Um, it's definitely uh, like a community scrape that's been used over the years. It's actually on a ridge point that is right on top of a thermal hub, um, and it's kind of not at the tip of the ridge point. It's kind of back on the ridge point a little bit where two smaller points come off and all three of them kind of meet right there. And the scrape is there right in that spot. And, uh, it's a sweet gum that has limbs just all around it. And they're all scraped. Is this the one you did the, uh, the reel on? Yes. Ah. So, and then you go up the hill a little bit from it and that's like a secondary ridge that comes off. You go up to the main ridge and it's kind of flat, like the secondary is flat. And then you hit like an, pretty steep incline and then it flattens off to the main ridge up above that on the main ridge there's another big scrape uh, but i had another camera but i didn't throw it out on there and then uh ended up going squirrel hunting in there like two weeks later or something like that and uh there's a couple oaks in there that were just starting to drop they weren't even really dropping yet the squirrels were just like pulling acorns and stuff off and dropping some of them and uh and the deer were actually eating that and there were some little whip rubs all around it some like impressive whip rubs, like ripped in half trees and stuff like that. So uh, that made me feel pretty good about the area. I I didn't throw a camera on that yet, but I've just had that one camera soaking on that, that scrape. So we'll see. We will see. But I want to go in there and throw a camera out. We're again, we're recording these in advance right now. So it's October 11th. It's almost deer season here in Alabama at the time we're recording this. I really want to go in there and throw a camera on the trail that leads to some of these oaks that should be dropping pretty good right now and just and see what see what i got you know throw a camera out there and then like a day or two before i'm gonna go hunt go and run those cameras and see what i got and then you know if there's if there's deer showing up in daylight i'll go pop in there and see what i can get myself into mm. yeah and i'm trying to think you and sam y'all went out there and scouted did y'all find yep. anything on that scouting trip specifically oh yeah uh so on one part of the property there's a big section of pines and they're they're very thick underneath like very very thick underneath and this is a section of the property with terrible road access mm. this is the spot that jacob's like i want to jump in this club and see what this is all about yeah just because the president's like yeah it's hard to get over there yeah because jacob toured the club with me and he was riding around with me and the president of the club and and 
the president of the club's like, yeah, nobody ever really goes over there. The roads are kind of bad, uh, so you can't really get a, get a truck over there. Uh, so nobody really hunts it. And, like, I could almost, like, see Jacob just, like, perk up in the back seat. He's like, oh, interesting. So we went and walked that. Uh, a friend of mine, Sam, went in there and walked that. Um, and basically walked to the perimeter of the entire thing. And it's all nice and thick. Found some big old buck tracks around the edges of it. Uh, where they're actually walking around like some of the roads and crossing the roads. Uh, big impressive tracks, like four finger tracks. You're on the phone with me when I found one set of them. They were they were really nice tracks. Um, there's a food plot back there. Do they plant it? Yeah. So how, how do they get a, how do they get a tractor back in there? Well, I don't know. It was it's been pretty dry over the last three weeks. They could drive over, but like some of those roads driving through there. Like you can definitely tell, or not, or we didn't drive, we walked through there, but you can tell that if you get even a little bit of rain, those roads get really, really bad. But they were able to get a tractor back in there and go plow up this, this little food plot. And this food plot like juts into that really, really thick stuff in those pines. And, uh, the deer really aren't eating the food plot very much at all. But what was interesting about it is there was like three trails, like big heavy trails that cross like right there in that food plot. And there's, I think, three big licking branches hanging out that are destroyed. Years of abuse. These licking branches have seen some stuff, man. Like big old thick licking branches the size of my thumb that are just like chewed up black on the ends from like years of being used. Uh, and they're hanging over right where those trails are all crossing. And there is there is a ladder stand. There's a two-man ladder stand on the food plot. And I climbed up in it, and it, it hadn't been trimmed in years. You can't even see the food plot from the ladder stand. So that tells me that, like, nobody hunts it, obviously. I looked very closely at all the pines around there. D- didn't see any climber marks on any of any them. Any place you could sit on the ground? Well, oh, sitting on the ground and work in there? You took uh, Tiff or, or Santuk Blakely in there? No, not really. I mean, you could. You just have to, you'd have to like bring some kind of like shears in or something and kind of sit back in in this thick stuff because the whole food plot's surrounded by thick stuff, like thick, mature pines. Uh, so a climber would really be perfect in there. Uh, but that's probably one of my favorite spots I've found so far. I mean, I was like, I don't know exactly what's going on here yet, but this is very interesting. And that field's been planted? Yep. Like you can tell. Yeah, they they planted it like the weekend before. Huh. They disked it up and fertilizer all over it and everything. So I don't know. Maybe dude. maybe one of the other members got a get broad idea like I'm gonna go over there and hunt and just you know, ain't nobody else gonna go over there. I don't know, man. <laughs> they freaking they plowed right through the scrapes. Like uh, where the licking branches hang off into the field. I mean they plowed right through that. So, you know. D- disturb disturb the, yeah, the just, historical yeah, scrapes. Yeah, yeah, no, that's just a you know yeah, that's refreshing it up. Yeah, dude, just turning that dirt over, man. <laughs> I wanted to put a camera on that, but there wasn't uh, there wasn't any tree I could really put a camera on. So, anyways, that spot is interesting. Uh, I'm excited to see what those pines in, end up looking like uh, when the leaves actually fall, because I think if you just climb up somewhere in there in those pines, like what, get way on up in a in a climber and look down in there, I think you'd be in really good shape. That or just you know one stick up. Just one stick to the to the canopy, man. We go forty feet. Let's yeah. go. Yep. God. Uh, so it's is it a pretty large area in there that's like all those big mature thick pines? I mean, are they, oh, like, yeah. are they like thin pines? 
Yeah, they were thinned a couple years ago. I don't know how many, or probably several years ago, because the thicket underneath is like sapling, big sapling, sapling, very thick. Mm. And I don't know if they're getting ready to log it or what, but they have cut some lanes through there, uh, like the logging company has, where they came in and they like just brush hogged like lanes through that stuff. And I mean, it is like thick, thick stuff. And they brush hogged like just a wide open lane right through the middle of it. So I'm like, huh. Let me just drop a pin on this for later. But there, there's like no rhyme or reason that I could figure out. And there's no flagging tape and there's no paint. So I don't know what they're doing. And I called my forester buddy and I was like, hey, what are they doing here? And he's like, is there flagging or, or paint? And I was like, nope. And he's like, I don't know. <laughs> so I don't know what they're getting ready to do. I have a feeling they're probably getting ready to cut it because, I mean, it's like mature timber. I mean, it's, it's some nice looking timber for sure. So I figured I enjoy it while it lasts. For real, this <laughs> that, might be the only year I get to hunt that. That's so funny. That's a that, to me. That's like a, very much a, a southern thing. I feel like like when you're in like pine country, it's like oh yeah. Oh man, the timber's just not getting good. Oh, crank up the saws, baby. Yeah, they coming down. Yep, get skitter in there. Always changing. It's like we just did a video for a, a Patreon member in the collaborative tier, uh, or collaborators tier, and uh, his property was like that. Like you know where they've yep. gone. Like his lease down in I forgot what county it is, but freaking awesome looking property, and uh, you know he's got mixed all kinds of pines on there, and you know it's everything from probably like some of the younger pines out there, probably ten, twelve years old, maybe fifteen years old, and then all the way up to probably twenty plus years old, and like there's so much out there. It's like recently been thinned, uh, you know, thinned last three or four years. Some other stuff that's on the docket for thinning, and I'm like man, when you're on a property where it's like they're thinning stuff like that. Like it's could be frustrating, but it could be so good. Like, oh yeah, so good. Yep. And that's the problem. Like I don't ever. I guess I don't pay attention enough in some of these spots. But like a lot of places, like we've hunted on public, I don't ever see them thin. Does, does that have you ever seen them thin out there? I've literally no, they just let really. it grow and they just let it grow. Yeah. I've literally no. Never, they don't thin very often. No, not at all. Very few places that I can think of that were thinned. And the places that did get thinned ended up getting yanked out of the W. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. So that's a bummer. Yeah. But <sighs> but that's that's the interesting thing is like I don't see on, at least on some of the public that we've hunted and or hunt on, they don't ever really thin anything. Like when it's planted, it's planted and they just let it get, you know, pretty much, I mean, just let it go rancid. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it depends on whatever company owns it, you know. Yeah, can you talk about like what is thin? Like we're talking about thinning. Just probably some solutions. Like what the heck are they talking about? Like, uh, it, like when when they plant pine trees, they they plant them in rows basically, and they they grow up. And after a while, like the canopies all kind of grow together, and it you you start getting that like green carpet effect is like what I've called it in the past, where there's really no sunlight penetrating through the through the canopy down to the forest floor. And when that happens, you get like a desert underneath. There's just pine straw. There's like nothing under there. But also the trees don't grow as quickly or effectively, basically. Um, and so what the timber companies end up doing is they end up coming in and they'll cut like whatever row, like every fourth row or something like that. And so they're just thinning out the stand. So like just as an example, like like if there's like a thousand trees in the stand, they might come and cut. 300 of them basically like that that's not really how they do it but that's like an example like they just come in and they just cut a certain amount of trees out and it opens up that canopy and kind of releases the trees reduces the amount of competition for the trees that are growing there which is really what they're doing it for uh so their trees will go grow uh taller and everything and uh they're just trying to produce wood and it's the agriculture of the south is what we sent that video earlier 
Um, but what it does for us as deer hunters is it opens that canopy and allows sunlight to get to the forest floor and that allows a bunch of thick, nasty stuff to grow up that deer like to live in. L- live and feed in the whole feed in. Yeah, that's exactly. the difference between like pines that don't have any food really underneath them yep. and browse to like pines that have a ton of browse underneath them mm-hmm. and honeysuckle the whole nine yards that the deer feed in and they bed in. So it makes it super tough because they're bedding literally like in a giant food plot kind of the way to look at it. Pretty much. Yeah. Again, that, and that's the thing that that was a, a thing in Georgia last week where we're, we're hunting with a bunch of dudes who are not from the south. And, uh, we were, you know, we were kind of going through how we were hunting all week and we're like, guys, they can bed anywhere and they can feed anywhere right now, pretty much. Yep. So it makes it a challenge. Uh, but also, you know, if you get that right aged thinned pine, then it can make a, for really good hunting. Cause if you got a climber, if you're like a one stick kind of guy and you can get way up in one of those pine trees and see down into that stuff and you're in a really good situation. You're you're in really really good shape, uh, so that's what we that's what we want to be in. So we actually identified some terrain features that kind of come in and out of that general area, um, and we marked where the highest concentrations of sign were because there's a road running around the perimeter of the entire thing, and so we walked that road and we we marked where all the highest concentrations of tracks were, and so sometime in the in season probably. I'll go out there and I'll probably just walk that road again and see if those tracks are in the same spots that they were. And so then that'll tell me if it's like a habitat-based thing or if it's a terrain-based thing, how they're moving through there. Because uh, part of me has a feeling that when the leaves drop, like it's going to change. Because parts of it uh, were thick enough where I feel like after the leaves drop, they're still going to be in there. And other parts of it, when the leaves drop, they might they might leave it and try to go find something else because uh, it's not going to be thick enough. Mm. So, no, we'll see. Good, uh, it's a good looking area though, dude. I'm pretty excited about it. Well, yeah, well, I'm excited. Um, kind of see how that that club progresses. It's again, it's gonna be really interesting, especially kind of follow along uh, and listeners kind of follow along uh, with you being in this hunting club. This is a, a hunting lease uh, this year. It's still gonna be hunting public land, but also hunting this and being able to kind of like apply some stuff that's being discussed on the podcast by some of the guests for private land. Um, because it's exciting when you're hunting a place that, like, the vast majority of people on that property are not going to hunt nearly as hard as, like, what we're used to doing on public land and, like, what major- like a lot of guys will do on public land. So, like, you're hunting potentially, even though there's, you know, a decent amount of guys that have, you know, permission or have, uh, you know, uh, or members of that place, of that pl- club, still you'll be able to get yourself outside of a lot of that pressure by doing some stuff that, you know, you're even discussing right now. Like, most of these guys are just going to set up food plots or real open areas, and they're just going to be, you know, gun hunting. And uh, it's going to be really kind of interesting to kind of see how everything progresses for this year, kind of seeing how it all plays out for you and based off what you can find and what you can kind of put together. So, Yeah, definitely. Houndstooth Game Calls is your home for turkey calls this spring. Go check them out. They got all the classic turkey calls. You know, they got the pot calls and the box calls and the mouth calls. But they also got a couple really interesting calls. One of them is called the the success call. And you just need to go look it up. It's it's like a box call that you can work with one hand. It's really, really cool. Sounds incredible. They also got the Spur Master, which is another very unique call that you can get some really unique, clean tones out of. They're going to help you out this turkey season. Use the promo code SOP24 to get 15% off of your order at Houndstooth Game Calls. That's SOP24. Use it at checkout. It helps the podcast. True Lock Chokes has been made in Georgia since 1981. 
and offer you a wide range of chokes, over 2,000 different chokes for all kinds of shooting activities. You might be wondering why you'd want to purchase a True Lock choke, and it's to improve your shotgun performance. Absolutely guaranteed. And as a great example, we have Andrew Maxwell here. And uh, Andrew, you've had some pretty good luck, again, kind of switching out chokes and trying out the Precision Hunter choke from True Lock. So, Andrew, what's been your experience so far? Yeah, I've always, I've used the same choke for several years now. I never really thought much of it, and I got the True Lock choke in. I patterned my gun with the first choke at uh, 30 and 50, and then I switched to the True Lock and changed from 30 to 50. And the 50-yard pattern on my gun with the True Lock choke is unbelievable. Like, everybody's jaws were dropping. Like, when I, we were out there with Mike and Sam, we were all super impressed. I mean, it's throwing a better pattern at 50 now than it was throwing at 40 before my old choke. And Andrew, you're shooting the Precision Hunter choke from True Lock. It's a great option. Same chokes I have in my shotgun. So guys, if you want to give True Lock a shot this spring, you can head over to truelockchokes.com. That's T-R-U-L-O-C-K chokes.com. You can also use the promo code SOUTHERN at checkout at truelockchokes.com and save 10% on your order. Again, give True Lock a shot this spring especially if you're not happy with the performance of your shotgun and shoot with a more deadly pattern with true lock. What you looking at? Uh, I, I'm over here zooming around that the club now <laughs> looking at stuff. I got so much stuff out here marked that I want to go look at. Uh, I took Mike out here and Mike, Mike is my stepdad and uh, we went squirrel hunting. I took him on his first squirrel hunt out on this club and we were walking around in the hardwood SMZs and we're kind of squirrel hunting, kind of scouting for deer and everything. Cause he's going to be one of my guests this year. I'm going to try to get him his first deer. And, dude, we found the biggest freaking moonshine still ever. Like an old broken down one. Like by far the biggest I've ever seen. On the creek? Yeah. Yep. And one of those little SMZs, like a little bitty SMZ. Like how old are we talking here? How, how old, Like you talking about like potential? It's not, not, not like. Like 1920s. Okay, yeah. Like I don't know if it's that old or not. But Civil War, there is a Civil War That's grave what, out I, there, which we finally located. Oh, did y'all? Yeah, because well, I, I went out there and looked for it at one point and we couldn't find it. And uh, it it was in the it, a totally different spot than than where the club president told me it was. It was like a mile away from where he said it was. Or, is, yet, there, or is there another one? I don't know, dude. Well, we went out there and we found it. Um, had some 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 old boy I forgot his name, but it was like private whatever the CSA Confederate States of America Civil War grave. Oh, it was like cool. first regiment of whatever. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, and and uh, we looked him up, and he was from, like, Crenshaw County, and he's the only grave right there. Look, there's one grave, and it's that guy, and he's not. He's from, like, way far away from Shelby County. So I'm like, how did you end up here? Kind of interesting. Get sick. I don't know, something like that. So pr- pretty cool, pretty cool finding that. Not but something you see every day. How close was that to the railroad? Uh, is it anywhere around there? It's not really. I mean, it's kind of. They had a dra- they had a drag old boy. I mean, it's less than a mile from the railroad. That's okay. probably I don't know. It's a long way half a mile from the railroad. Long way to drag somebody. Yeah, that's true. Now the the moonshine still is way newer than that for sure. But it, you could see where it had like axe uh, marks in it, like where I guess like law enforcement. The feds up. found it. The man. fed, the revenuer, <laughs> he found it. <laughs> And he uh, he smashed it with an axe. You could see oh, you could see where it was one of those old timey like fireman axes that has the hook on the back of it, um, because some of the like the holes were like where he hit it with the blade, and then the other ones were like where they hit it with that spike on the back. And he must have hit it like freaking forty five times. I mean, just everywhere. And it's uh, shot it with a shotgun too, 
and the shotgun didn't quite make it all the way through. So then I guess they beat it up with the axe. It's pretty cool. Not so, not something you see every day. It was, it was pretty fun seeing that. How big was it? Like you're saying, it's the biggest you've ever seen. Like uh, you talk, you're talking about the uh, what's the what's the actual the thing called the jug? pot? Yeah, just a pot. I don't know because I don't know exactly how it, it was set up. Like I found, I found the the arm mm-hmm. that comes off of the pot, the big copper arm, and it was like, dude, you need to bring that sucker back, bro. That needs to go. Up oh, the that wall. would be good studio. That would be sick. Oh man, how. <laughs> It was probably like six feet long or something. Oh, put it on the wall, my man. <laughs> but then there's like a big, a big like, uh, like tank thing. I don't know if it was the pot or if they were like storing water in it. But it was like built in to like the. There's like a like a steep bank right there, and it was like built into that bank where they dug out the bank and like pushed it in there, and then uh, stacked stones and like cemented it in, like like there's like a little wall holding it in and everything. Uh, and that is big enough where, like, you, if you filled it up with water, like, two or three people could get in it, like a hot tub or something. It's humongous. They, they, they were moving some liquor, boys. Yeah, they were moving some product, son. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was pretty cool. It, it was old enough where we think it predates the lake. So That was the lake. 70s, maybe? Oh, is that new? Yeah, I think so. Oh, crap. All right, so yeah, uh, definitely. By the way, guys, if you think Andrew should go get that freaking copper arm of the steel and bring it back for the studio probably, y'all need to go leave us a review. Did I not send you the picture of the steel? No, dude. Here, let me pull it I, up. Maybe. It, it, it wasn't very impressive. Whatever you sent me. I remember something. Dude, it's because I blend in too good with them. Yeah. We're, we're but uh, if y'all think we, Andrew should go grab the arm, that six-foot arm, and bring it for the studio, that'd be a sweet piece. And you go leave us a, a review on, on Apple Podcasts and just tell them, you know, go grab that steel. <laughs> so you can kind of see it right here. Um, Jacob, describe what you're seeing. To the oh listeners. yeah, you did not send me that. Oh my gosh, dude, you are like super blended, dude. Spectre, I know it's no literally kind of hard to see me, isn't it, bro? Spectre ain't no joke, dude. You can kill some turkeys in that. Oh my god, that thing is ginormous. Yeah, yeah, it's like a. Okay, that yeah, that that's got to be like a holding tank for water or something. That's no, there ain't no way that was all liquor. <laughs> or was it? Moving some product, bro. I guess, man. Those boys weren't playing. Well, because they, they like bricked it in, like brick and mortar. Yeah, it in, but like old, like just stones and everything that were uh, that were like stacked together all around the thing. It's pretty cool. Yeah, no, it looks wicked. So, yep, that's uh, that's that spot. This is the arm right here. You can see where he dude smacked it with an axe in one of the places. But that's that big copper arm that comes off of it. Yeah, you got to bring that thing in here, dude. That would be pretty cool in the studio, wouldn't dude, it? And it mounts you some wood ducks, like walking on it. <laughs> there we go. Or I could get I could get some squirrels mounted running across it or something. I bet you a squirrel or two has run across that Joker. Coon. Or yeah, or definitely a coon. So uh, yeah, that was pretty fun. Uh, that day we also found what might be a pretty good little duck hunting spot. We'll see. Another one. So we saw quite a few ducks that day. Quite a few mm. in one spot. Uh, so yeah, exciting stuff. Good good times on on the hunting club coming up. Uh, so yeah, um, I guess that's pretty much what we got for for the club at least. Uh, I want to talk about Georgia. I mean, we had a really good Georgia hunt, um, but we got a full episode coming out on Monday all about that Georgia hunt. Uh, should we just like hit people with some like little teasers about it, a little highlight? I mean, you want to come back and hear it because Andrew killed him a nice buck. So mm-hmm. we got you know. 
It was a it, it was a very memorable trip. It was it was freaking sweet. I'm not gonna lie. Like we, I saw some really nice bucks, but it's interesting how we saw them. So, <laughs> but yeah, um, no, definitely want to tune in Monday for that episode. It's gonna be fun. Um, well, we'll just we'll just leave it with the did the, you know, we did a we did some outros about what our plans were for that hunt and how we were gonna do things and how we thought things were gonna turn out. Uh, how how similar to how you thought it was going to turn out, was it? I did exactly what I said I was going to do, and it didn't turn out great for me. <laughs> listen, I, listen, live or die by my plan, and we die by the plan. <laughs> oh, That's all be, I'm going to say. We're going to talk more about it on Monday. This is going to be fun to talk about. Yep. <laughs> live or die by the plan. I will give you that. You stuck to the plan. Yep. Trust the process. Yep. When it leads you to your grave. Yep. So, uh, um, fun hunt, man. But hey, but, good old but, time. By the way, how you been liking those uh, obsession foundry pants? The obsession, the obsidian. Oh, I'm a, uh, uh, I'm slacking here. Lord have mercy. No, yeah, no, the obsidian foundry. Yeah, pants. Yeah, I really like them. Uh, I kind of put them to the test this week in Georgia. I ended up wearing them a ton during that trip. Uh, probably at least fifty percent of the time that I was walking and hunting. Uh, the thing about them is, so they're not like the the corrugate pants where they're going to really protect you from briars. So if you're going to go into a, like a briar thicket, I, these are not the pants I would wear, just full disclosure. But if you're walking around in like hardwoods, like if you, if you're like a mountain hunter, I would, I would get them. They're, they're very, very comfortable and they're, they're super lightweight. Uh, and they, they regulate temperature really well. And for, so for this particular week, uh, it was pretty cold in the mornings and ended up getting pretty warm in the afternoons. And I, when I hunt out of a saddle, especially my legs just don't really get cold, uh, I guess. Cause I'm kind of like standing all day and kind of working my legs or whatever. Uh, so it'd be like 48 ish in the mornings. One morning it was like low forties. Uh, and that was kind of cold, but uh, I was just wearing those pants, no long johns or anything like that. And I was good to go, um, for those early mornings. But then also in the afternoons, uh, I'm not sweating really in them like at all. I mean, my legs are like very comfortable. Uh, they're not, they're not hot at all. Uh, they regulate temperature extremely well, so really recommend them. Uh, I, I'm really enjoying them, um, especially the the new stitch thing they did. I was I was worried about uh, the fact that it's merino, just because like merino is just not very durable. It's just not. And uh, the way that they stitched those pants, there's like a grid pattern, like stitched, like a very tight grid pattern stitched into the actual merino, and it reinforced it. And then in like the high use areas, like in the crotch and the knees and then like on your butt and stuff. And then I think around the ankles too, it's actually like a synthetic material and there's not like a seam running through. Uh, so there's nothing like, like in between your legs, like on your inner thighs, there's not a seam right there. So it like that seam's not going to catch on the other seam if you're like me and you're like freaking thighs rubbed together. Oh, thunder thighs, thunder <laughs> So, uh, that's really helpful because it takes those wear points like away. Like it, like you're not putting Merino in a place where it's going to wear out really fast. Um, and then in the places where there are Merino, it's like reinforced. So it makes it a lot stronger. So, um, do they still have the side zips? No, no, no side zips, but they, they really don't need side zips. Like they, they vent that well. I mean, they're very light. Um, so I, I really, the, the Georgia was kind of my big test for him. I've worn them on some squirrel hunts and stuff up to this point. And really liked them, but after a week of hard hunting in Georgia, where I think we hunted like six days in a row or something like that, and I mean, we were getting after it pretty much all day, every day, uh, put on a ton of miles, very impressed with them. 
So cool, awesome. Yes, sir. Good old hunt, man. It's a fun time. Uh, do you want to you want to talk about real quick uh, as we wrap this up what we what we were just doing video wise, the collaborator uh, thing? Kind of mentioned it, kind of breezed over it. Yeah. Um, so just with that tier, so on on Patreon, guys, just uh, have started offering the uh, collaborators tier, which is really kind of interesting. It, it's we have so many guys, like so many you know of you guys listeners like real reach out to us on a weekly basis asking like hey what's your thought on my property and, and trying to like hey can you sit down and like break this down like give, just give me your thought on it. and just because of like our schedule and everything it's so hectic like you know getting anywhere between like on the lower end 15 messages a week asking that on the higher end probably close to 30 um it's just too much for us to do them all like again try to help you know however we can but with this collaborator tier this is something that we've kind of done to kind of give you our full attention um and only doing five a month which is kind of interesting where what we're doing is doing uh not only like kind of looking at your property and kind of doing a full uh, breakdown but we're actually doing a full video kind of breaking it down while using uh, a couple different mapping sources uh looking at the property and explaining each pin location our thoughts behind each of them um and then also the kind of application for going in and scouting them uh or actually hunting too so it's been super, super interesting and getting greatly appreciate everyone that's already uh, signed up for it. We've had a few already come through that we've been working with. Uh, but it, if, even with season just now getting here for a lot of our states uh, and, and kind of, you know, rocking and rolling now, um, if you are interested in potentially like wanting us to work with you to kind of break down your property um, and, and do one of these videos, which actually, if you're a Patreon member, you've actually seen some of these videos because we got, were able to post one yep. of them that one of our listeners said was totally fine for us to do. So you kind of get a, a behind the scenes of what you're looking at. Um, it, it is super, super interesting. And it's actually really fun for us because it allows us to really kind of nerd out, look at these different properties uh, and really kind of go down the rabbit hole, which um, is super exciting because, you know, all the ones we've had so far for the most part have been hunting clubs. And it's like super fun to scout hunting clubs. Yeah, man, it is a it is a blast. So, what what's your take on it so far? Uh, it, it's really fun to do. Um, like you said, we get a lot of questions from people, and and I, I think that if if you're the guy who who listens to the show a lot, and and you're I'm not gonna say like taking notes, but you're you're like you're really trying to absorb the information, but you, like you're probably like me, and you kind of struggle with maybe audio only you're just more of a visual person that collaborator tier is definitely uh the thing for you because like i'm a visual learner um mostly i mean that's that's what i do the best with i mean i definitely get a lot out of like podcasts and audiobooks and stuff like that but at the end of the day if you can like show me the thing and and i can like watch it then i i get a lot more out of that and so the collaborator tour is definitely for guys like that, where you know you have you have that cutover on your property, you have those SMZs, you have that, those pine thickets, you got a swamp, you got whatever, and you're trying to figure out how what we're talking about would apply to that one spot. Uh, the collaborator tour is where you can go sign up and literally get us to show you exactly how it applies to that spot, based on you know our past experiences, but also what everybody who we talk to on the podcast has to say about it you know like whatever all the all these people that we've interviewed over since 2018 you know how all of that might play into it and specific guests you know where like even the one we were doing today we're like hey you know this is kind of a spot that really relates to what Wes Moy was talking about in whatever episode this is a spot that relates to what Troy Pottinger said in this episode and we we explain why you know this interacts with that and uh and it 
and that those specific tactics apply to that spot. Um, so it just kind of, I feel like, is meant to kind of bridge that gap where you're going to be able to see on a map on your property exactly what we're talking about, you know, kind of take that mystery out of it. Um, and then hopefully you'll be able to go out there and obviously apply that and, and hopefully have some success, but more importantly, hopefully learn from it and be able to actually go out and apply that on different areas. You know, if you're a public land guy, you know, going and applying it on different public land, or, you know, if you hop from lease to lease or hunting club to hunting club, uh, maybe you apply it on the next hunting club, or, or maybe you have multiple properties, you can apply it across multiple properties. So that's the end goal is for it to be kind of an educational thing. I mean, obviously we want to point out some spots that you can have some luck in, but more importantly, we're explaining the why behind it. So you can, you know, better retain that information and, and understand why the, why this pin is right here, why a deer would walk through this spot, and then take that and apply it to other places. Yeah, and appreciate everybody who's joining in the uh, Patreon just in general over the last few weeks. <clears throat> Y'all been awesome, and uh, by the time this episode comes out... Uh, we will have done the Zoom room. Would have, oh, we ha- would have, yeah. Yeah. So anyways, um, so yeah, we're doing a monthly Zoom room with special guests. Uh, so uh, guys, if you're interested in joining in those uh, kind of video calls where we kind of do these breakdowns uh, in person, um, you know, with other Patreon members, with a special guest, you can go check out patreon.com forward slash the Southern Outdoorsman, or just go down to the show notes below. I'm sure it's going to be there, the link. And uh, you can check out you know, who potentially we're going to have on for this coming month uh, in November, who's going to be a special guest for our monthly call. So Yeah, so the that, October guest, do uh, you want to tell them about the October guest? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Richard Fott uh, is who we got coming on for uh, October, talking um, uh, his calling techniques and strategies. That's something that we've had just a ton of listener success stories come in from his episode that he did with us. Um, I think it's two... I want to say it's like 282 or something like that. Yeah. Um, with Richard Fault. You can go and, and just search Richard Fault on whatever listening platform, like Apple Podcasts or whatever you use, and it'll come up. Yeah. And uh, anyways, doing a, a full video, uh, you know, kind of get together with him on that specific topic. Uh, and whatever other questions anybody else has, because we just have had a ton of listener success stories come from that specific episode, which, by the way, if you haven't heard that episode, you need to go look up that episode we did with Richard Fott and uh, and listen to it. Because, again, uh, come normally mid to late October, we start having those completely just overwhelm us with uh, <laughs> people, you know, having success from that specific episode. So, actually, I'm going to try to look it up real quick. But, anyways, uh, but, yeah, so you can check out patreon.com forward slash Southern Outdoorsman and see that specific um you know, the specific tiers, whichever you'd want to join, uh, whether it's the uh, collaborative tier or collaborators tier or, of course, any of the other tiers. And you can, of course, join us on one of those video calls. Uh, but actually, the episode... So that's actually episode 290, Calling Deer the Right Way with Richard Fott. Episode 290. Definitely want to go yep. back and listen to that. Even if you've, you know, a long-time listener to the podcast, go listen to 290 again before you hit the woods. I'm, I'm sure it's going to help you out tremendously uh, come this fall. Yeah, man. So many listener success stories come from that one. So, uh, yep, if you if you want to be a part of that, be able to ask whoever the, the special guest is, you know, all kinds of questions, whatever you got. Talk to them directly, you know, along with having us there as well to kind of guide the conversation. Uh, go hit that up. I think you'll really enjoy it. People seem to really like the one we did with Shane Parker. So we got this one coming up with Richard Fott, and then we'll figure out one for uh, for November. Um, November will have to be a doozy, man. I, I've already thought who it ought to be. Uh-oh. Okay. I'm sure he's game. 
All right, don't say it on here. Don't say it just yet. I'll ask you afterwards. But uh, Mississippi boys will be happy. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I got you. I know. Yeah. All right. I got it. You don't have to tell me. I got you. <laughs> uh, all right, folks. Well, uh, we we appreciate y'all listening to this. Make sure you tune in Monday to hear all about Georgia and uh, the trials and tribulations of Georgia. So, Jacob, you got anything else? No, nothing. Nothing at all. Just again, appreciate everybody's uh, support to the podcast. Again, if you love the podcast, you know, share it with some buddies. Share some episodes with the buddies. And uh, again, we'll catch you back here on next week's episode of the Southern Outdoorsman Podcast. Y'all go ahead and write down the dates, June 28th through June the 30th. Go ahead and just mark those off your calendar so you can be at the Dalton Convention Center in Dalton, Georgia for the 2024 Mobile Hunters Expo. Y'all heard a a ton of content from that expo last year that we posted. Uh, We talked about it a ton. Look, if you're the kind of person that listens to this podcast, this show was literally made for you. It was literally designed for you, which means you're going to love it. You know, all the best companies in mobile hunting are going to be there. A lot of the best deer killers in the Southeast are going to be there. A lot of our past podcast guests are going to be there. It's just, it's going to be an incredible event. And hey, if you've been looking to either get into a saddle or maybe a mobile lock-on setup or just a different kind of tree stand setup, I'm telling you, it's worth the investment to go to this show because they're all going to be there and you, you will get to try all of them in person before you buy it. So you don't have to order something online and then wait for it and then try it when it comes in to see if you really like it, you're going to get to go put your hands on everything all in one day, test it all out and figure out exactly what works best for you and have it taken care of before deer season starts. So like I said, go ahead and put it on your calendar, guys. It's a no brainer. You got to be at the show. Again, it's Friday, June 28th through Sunday, June 30th in Dalton, Georgia. We absolutely cannot wait to meet you guys there and talk hunting. So we'll see you at the 2024 Mobile Hunters Expo in Dalton, Georgia.